women sometimes feel like they need to put on a more aggressive persona in certain work environments. And I am thankful for communities like ours here in Junto. It's a space where those other personas that we feel pressured to be sometimes are, you don't need to be that here. You can be yourself. And I feel like the world is opening up to this. Humanity and business is absolutely the direction we're all heading. And I'm thankful for that and that there's fewer and fewer spaces that I feel are triggering us all to go in that more alert and protected persona of being somebody we are not. It's that empathy that comes in for, man, that sucks to have to be in an environment that you don't feel comfortable yet in staying just yourself. And hopefully we can continue to foster that in all the companies we work with. Greetings. I'm Raman Chada, founder of the Junto Institute. Welcome to Flourishing Together, where we have inspiring conversations with people who are becoming infinitely better at who they are and what they do. In early 2012, I received an email from a former student of mine, uh, Mike Garden, and Mike will be forever immortalized in Junto history. Um, he had a friend at the time who had recently gotten married and moved to Chicago, and he emailed me that uh, he wanted to make an introduction because she was interested in startups and entrepreneurship. That person was Catherine Jelinek. Uh, we met at the time. This was um, early in that year. I, I told her that I wasn't aware of any opportunities, but that I'd keep her in mind if anything uh, came across my desk. Coincidentally, I was uh, at that time deep in the planning for uh, what turned into the Junto Institute. And over the course of the subsequent months, I created a timetable for our launch. And uh, that summer, I knew I'd uh, need to begin forming a team. So in September, I reached out to uh, a handful of people I thought uh, might be co-founder uh, fits, uh, one of whom was Catherine. And uh, we had a good first meeting, and two things uh, had stuck out for me. Number one, uh, she asked uh, a good number of very pertinent and impressive questions um, that were earnest in nature um, and not just kind of your uh, typical um, you know, tell me about this, tell me about that type of questions. And then secondly, uh, she had this unusual familiarity with Ben Franklin, uh, who has a deep connection to the roots of the Junto Institute. And uh, for those who don't know about those details, they're in our first couple of episodes of this podcast. Um, Catherine and I agreed to a, a three-month trial period of sorts, and right out of the gate, she was impressive. Um, all founders and entrepreneurs out there know that execution is the most critical trait um, that we look for in people in the early years. And uh, Catherine showed that um, and more. Uh, she just had this knack for getting stuff done and um, having a, a, an, an interesting drive that was uh, rooted in uh, her emotional investment in what we were doing. You'll hear how much uh, younger she is, and uh, she quickly earned the uh, the title of co-founder uh, once I realized that I could uh, you know, build this business with her, but that's simply a title. Um, Catherine truly became a business partner, contributing equally to the development and growth of Junto, um, holding me accountable, and shaping our identity as a business. And after moving from Chicago to Seattle with her husband a few years ago, they settled into a new home and last year started a family with a beautiful baby boy, Evren. And today she helps our newest partner, Jen Davis, run Junto Women, 
and remains connected with a number of our alumni from the early years. Uh, a more apt description of our relationship today is uh, that I consider her a dear friend. Uh, she's earned uh, not only my respect and admiration, but also that of um, all of our alumni and mentors from those those first four or five years. She's an old soul, uh, mature well beyond her years, um, has this bright, radiant presence that lights up a room and the people in it, and as you'll hear, a deep love for humanity and women. Well, I normally open up each session, each interview, with how excited and delighted I am to be with um, a particular guest. I think it's fair to say that today I'm a little bit more amped about that because it happens to be my co-founder, Catherine Jelinek. Welcome, Catherine. Thank you, Roman. So we're going to begin with the emotion wheel, which you are very intimately familiar with. Yes. Um, and I'm putting on the spot here uh, because even though you're intimately familiar with it, we've never done this on tape. So I am feeling and note that I am right out of a Junta Women's session. So writing off those feelings, I am feeling zealous. I am feeling enthralled. I am feeling warm-hearted, tender, nostalgic, and sentimental, and deeply grateful. Um, some similarities there. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely feeling nostalgic and sentimental just seeing you here and being within the community and amongst uh, uh, various tribe members. Also feeling incredibly peaceful and tranquil. I woke up this morning in a really interesting state, and I haven't even had a chance to to even think about it because I was rushing off to, to work. So very excited to have you here and um, begin this conversation with kind of where you just finished off, which was uh, Junto Women. And what I'd love to learn is this, this is now our second year of doing this, but the first year is a real program. And uh, I'm going to provide some context for everybody that in 2018, we brought together the five then female CEOs who had been through the Junto Institute's program. And Catherine led them through a journey of meeting every uh, two months, I think it was, yeah. every two to three months. And I was uh, coming back for those from Seattle. Right. Yes. And for them to, to talk about things that were um, specific to um, them as women leaders. And I was never in any of those uh, conversations, so I don't know what was covered, although uh, you would give me some summaries. And then we learned that there was a desire to kind of take it further. And this year we officially launched Tunto Women as a program that is available to all of our companies that are either graduates or in our apprenticeship program. And this year has been, you've been a little bit um, more distant from it, mm -hmm. um, uh, partially because, as you noted, you're living in Seattle. But then secondly, you're also a new mom. So I am a new mom. Um, congratulations on that. Thank you. So what I'd like you to do is to talk about um, women as founders, women as leaders, women as professionals, because we're in a time now where we are uh, much more inclusive as, as a society. Mm -hmm. And there's uh, more attention being given to gender identification. Um, but in our case, we have been trying to be inclusive of women and those who identify as women in this effort. And I think it requires a little bit more of a spotlight for us because it's not something we've done before. So I'd love to just hear what have you discovered, learned, taken in this past year to two years that has been new, has been surprising, has been fresh in your perspective? Yeah, absolutely. Well, 
what I like to reflect on first when thinking about junta women and zooming out and reflecting on everything that I've been able to absorb this year, getting to observe and be close to so many women leaders, is remembering that our first junta cohort, when we were on the cohort model, um, was all male leaders. But like I used to jokingly think, I'm like Wendy and the Lost Boys. <laughs> but not really. There weren't lost. It just felt like funny to be the only lady in the room. Um, the only woman in the room. And now I am just thrilled that we're doing Hundo Women. So the, the distance in terms of even how our community has grown um, with the women leaders in it and also the spotlight we're shining, that's really important to underscore. But what I've learned, I mean, yes, you, Raman, you highlighted the first year we did Hundo Women. It was our beta and we were doing it with the founders of Hundo companies who are women and founded their companies. Um, well, what I learned from them is I personally observe and believe that they naturally have a high degree of emotional intelligence. And I also think that they are all very humble in thinking that their emotional intelligence is much lower than it actually is. They are naturally hard on themselves and lean into the emotional intelligence learning. Uh, I want to continue to shine a spotlight on really what how that is a superpower for them and how much of that is already so naturally embodied in who they are, um, how they naturally bring in all the voices in their team, how they create a nurturing environment without even needing to think about how to do so, um, how they make others feel heard naturally and create a disarming environment in some hard conversations. I do admire all of them, though, for the fact that they are natural learners and growers. Those in Junto are, usually. And they all lean into how they can continue to get better. But again, here we are, and this extends beyond just the founders, is one thing I've also observed is we don't really sit and, and put that spotlight on ourselves and call out our accomplishments and call out our strengths enough. As women. As women. Women leaders. All the women that I've seen in, in Junta Women, we all seem to nod when that conversation gets started about recognizing it's easy to appreciate and call out the accomplishments of our team members and uh, fellow women, fellow women leaders. But are we able to ring that bell for ourselves? Do we shout out about what we've done already in this arena? It's, yeah, usually no. Usually that's that's held back. So I appreciate you bringing this up because um, one of the things that you've done is kind of um, – adapted how we have run many of our sessions to this audience of women. And I want you to put it in your words, but I, I remember there's one piece where people get a chance to not, not brag, but something that- Self-appreciation. Self-appreciation, right? So yes. talk a little bit more about this because um, as, as you know, and um, as some of the people who are regular listeners know, I've got two daughters- these things matter to me. Yeah. Um, and I think it's important because, as you noted, you, you kind of implied that in a very, very indirect way, we men are a lot more comfortable doing this, right? Acknowledging. And, and it, it occurred to me that when I hear the line, I'm crushing it, it's almost always right. a man. Right. So talk a little bit more about what this self-appreciation <laughs> is. Yes. Self-appreciation is the baked-in way that we do check-ins in Junta Women. So whereas other parts of the Junta program, we share highs and lows at times, and also share how we're feeling from the emotion wheel. Um, similar in Junta Women, we share from the emotion wheel. And then we share a self-appreciation instead of a high. 
And instead of a low, we have the option to share areas we feel like we're improving on and how we've implemented our action items from the last session. So everybody's really enjoyed the self-appreciation because it takes us all in that moment to sit back, reflect, and have the, um, you're allowed to say the thing. You're allowed to, you know, shine a light on your accomplishments. It doesn't feel weird. You don't feel like you're vulnerable and stepping out and um, alone in that, which I think is, for me, a lot of the times I don't want to brag or, or share some of the fantastic successes from the things that have happened to me and, and that I've done because I don't I don't want to create that separation. I don't want that comparison. Today's conversation at Junta Women was about succeeding together and and um, diffusing the competition and comparison that can come up between women and building natural bonds between women. And a huge thing is that that comparison factor and the harsh part of competition, um, the kind where claws come out rather than there's a healthy side to competition, I believe, where we are helping each other stretch and cheering each other on. But then that other side is where it's a comparison and it feels like you're tearing each other down. Um, so we were talking through those topics today. And I think that I can speak for myself personally. I hold back on sharing some of my accomplishments, especially with other women, because I don't want to make anyone feel uncomfortable. I don't want the comparison thing to come up. I don't ever want to have judgment enter the room on my account. But it's really important that we kind of tear that veil down as women and do that together and begin to share what we are succeeding at and our accomplishments, because that's an element of the liberation that needs to happen that we can all really stand in the spotlight and acknowledge our value to others. Is this idea of self-appreciation, uh, I want to I come back to that for a minute. This is where I'm kind of asking you to almost speak on behalf of the community, sure. right? Of, of all the women who've been in sessions where you've either participated or observed. Yeah. Um, is it something that is done privately but not publicly? Or is it something that isn't even done very privately? In other words, we as men, I'll I'll speak on behalf of the male gender. Um, I think in, we are comfortable acknowledging it publicly. We're also comfortable acknowledging it privately to ourselves, right? Even though privately to ourselves, we're all we also acknowledge how messed up we are and how little we have truly accomplished. So I'm trying to get to just get a sense of that. As it, I think it's both. it's both. I think it's both. I think absolutely publicly that we're not speaking and sharing our accomplishments and the things that we've you know, successfully achieved publicly. Absolutely. Um, and then yes, and even privately where, um, another thing as the observing across the board element, we, we all have the imposter syndrome feeling. We also all don't think whatever that success was really, maybe it wasn't enough. Maybe, yeah, maybe I shouldn't share that. That wasn't really that big of a deal. There's a downplaying that happens and I think that that's something that's quite common across the board that I've heard and seen and personally experienced. So talk more about the imposter syndrome. Imposters of what? Yeah, well, anything. <laughs> I'll speak to myself. or I'll speak my example and my shared experience. Raman, I'm your co-founder. I'm 20 years younger than you. This was your idea. When I talk about the fact that I'm a co-founder, I often use language where I'm like, I'm lucky to have met Raman. It was his idea from the start. I'm thankful to be his co-founder. 
and thankful that he opens the door and makes me his peer in any room we're in. And yeah, absolutely. There's huge truth in that because there's indeed two decades between us. And then also, I really don't need to use some of that language sometimes. And I can just show up and stand in the fact that, hi, yes, I'm Catherine. I'm the co-founder of the Junto Institute. Thank you. I don't need to explain myself. So um, that's an example of where that shows up, even in just small language. Okay. Do you have another example? I'm going to step lightly because in the Junta Women Rooms, it's confidentiality and no names. Um, yes. Women who have been a part of their companies from the beginning in C-level roles talk about how they don't feel like they deserve to be there and that they are surprised that other people look to them as examples. And it's that feeling of like, wait, leader? And they look behind them almost, you know, that's, that's the emotion of, or when they get invited to speak on a panel or get invited to um, kind of stand up and, and share and um, be that leader that they are. There's an element of surprise and of worrying, like, what am I even going to say? What does anyone want to hear from me? Are my stories even enough? So those are examples kind of generalizing to keep confidentiality. Right. And I imagine that some of that just comes from the fact that when you guys were all growing up, when I say you, you guys, meaning w women, whether you're a millennial or a Gen X or a baby boomer, most of the time people who were in the spotlight, at least in the business world, were male. Some of that is the role modeling aspect of um, what you saw growing up where today it's different, mm -hmm. right? I mean, that's what's inspiring is now you can barely find a panel, for instance, that's all men. Right. And if it is, it gets called out right. publicly in some cases. Yes. And that's a good thing because we all need to be able to look forward and feel like we're seeing examples of ourselves doing the thing we'd envision for ourselves next. One of the things that you mentioned earlier is true, which is in our first year, we had all men participating in our program. In fact, it wasn't until our third year that we had um, a woman, and that happens to be Christy Zalke, who's already been a guest on Flourishing Together. And so in your case, um, not only were you in the room almost all the time with groups of men, in, in fact, we only had a few female mentors at the time as well, um, and you kind of saw then the shift begin to occur where we not only had Christy, but additional women and companies were starting to integrate women yes. from their teams into the program. And so where I'm going with this is that you kind of spent almost five years working almost with 98% in a male colleague environment, not just with me, but with all the people around us. Talk a little bit about the things that you've learned over the years in working with men and especially the experiences that you may have had that can kind of help other people. This came up in our um, Junta Women discussion today as well. The panel was asked the question, um, something about how do we manage in male-dominated environments? And so that's kind of the lens that I was taking to was speaking from coming from the Junto community when we had fewer women in, especially in the beginning. And some of the things I responded with, and also, you know, in a vein of trying to share useful shared experiences for others as well, is how key one of those Junto protocols is of making sure that everyone has spoken once before anyone speaks twice. And it's not just about men. It's about 
different personalities in the room and those who naturally feel like they want to kind of sink back in a group dynamic and those who naturally want to speak multiple times. I find that that is just such a key protocol to ensure that there's collective participation and everyone's voice is heard because, you know, no matter male, female, any gender, it's really important that all dispositions are heard. And especially those who are leaning back oftentimes have a lot of thoughtful reflections, even if they're not comfortable jumping in. So how key that is to use that in any kind of meeting and feel free to call out protocols on how you're going to run meetings. I I love that element. It's something that I absolutely believe in. Another thing I spoke to is I'm really lucky that I've been a part of Junto in terms of my business experience and my experience with a business community because it's about as good as it gets. And everyone, every man, you know, who I've met then here through Junto is here to work on their emotional intelligence or here agreeing and knowing that they're walking into a community that focuses on people, focuses on culture, tries to improve their collective emotional intelligence, are here to grow and learn. So walking into any Junto conversation, I feel like we all have our best behavior on. All of that said, I also find that the dynamic that happens in mentor team meetings and classes in Junto forums, that aspect that gets created where we are inviting all at the table to drop into a next level of vulnerability and to really be their human selves who build businesses and live lives and have that integrated experience. I find that it's been eye-opening to see some men, not all men, but some men who are just starving for that experience where they don't need to keep that persona up. That all of those things that are on their shoulders and and trying to keep up that that I've got it all under control and you know we're going to just keep powering forward that they're allowed to drop that and that vulnerability is a strength in these meetings and that going around the mentor team room and hearing about each of their failures i mean the meetings where that's happened i mean there's there's glossy eyes people hug after i mean they hug after anyways but how much that brings people together. And I, I think men in business are, are so looking for that, so want to bring their human selves to that. So honestly, like working with men, how have I found it? It's in a male-dominated fact. I've, I've been in a lucky situation where this is the community that's inviting this kind of space. And I found it to be natural for them to be able to drop their guard and finally have a space to do that. And so that's been fantastic to get to participate in. So one thing that I have never shared publicly, and I don't even think maybe even with you in all of our conversations over the years, is how uncomfortable I have been when I have seen someone, a male, in one of our sessions, be vulnerable, um, be a human being, be who they probably are at home with their families. And then as soon as the door opens, they see someone or um, are prompted by someone to go back to being that public guy, mm. the backslapping um, mm. kind of alpha male personality. It's happened, I'd say, probably about 10 to 20 times over the years. And it's made me feel really uncomfortable. Right? I can imagine. Because yeah. I sit there going, okay. <laughs> How do we find a way to keep that purity of who that human being is and as opposed to kind of revert back to 
pandering to what the world expects and what the world wants. Right. To some degree, it's almost reverse imposter syndrome, right? They walk out of that room and now they're being an imposter to the world. Well, it's imposter syndrome in a way, whether that's acknowledged or not, because the fact that one doesn't feel comfortable being that person throughout, I mean, there's a it's it's protection of something. You know, that that ego element is always a protection or, or something that's covering up a fear. I mean, women sometimes feel like they need to put on a more aggressive persona in certain work environments, too. And um, I am thankful for communities like ours here in Junto, where um, it's a space where those other personas that we feel pressured to be sometimes aren't, you don't need to be that here. You can be yourself. And I feel like that the world is opening up to this. Humanity and business is absolutely the direction we're all heading. And um, I'm thankful for that and that there's fewer and fewer spaces that I feel are are triggering us all to go in that more alert and protected um, persona of being somebody we are not. So I agree with you in making that for me feel uncomfortable, but then also it's that empathy that comes in for, man, that sucks to have to be in an environment that you don't feel comfortable yet in staying just yourself. And hopefully we can continue to foster that in all the companies we work with. As you can tell, Catherine is passionate about women and feminine leadership. I didn't know or see that in our early years, uh, likely because we were so focused on execution and uh, Junto was so male dominant. Uh, But once those topics, uh, women and feminine leadership, and how it kind of collided with masculine leadership and how emotional intelligence was kind of in the middle of it. Um, once all of that started emerging in our daily conversations, I realized that I was learning um, a great deal from her. And in fact, as a, uh, as a very devoted father of two daughters who at that point were in um, high school and middle school, uh, I realize now that many of the discussions that Catherine and I had about gender and leadership were helping me become a more empathic and hopefully a a better father. And perhaps um, the best thing I can say about her is what so many people believe about people who they consider to be uh, close friends. Um, And that's that she helped me become a a better person. Uh, We all know that that's a core requirement for relationships to flourish over the course of time. And and this is one where, where I believe it applies. Uh, But as you'll hear next, it's hard to make someone else better um, or even aware forcefully. Um, It it can't can't be forced down their throat. And uh, becoming both of those things, uh, aware and better, requires some time, some patience, and uh, most importantly, personal ownership by the other party. And I want to share a funny story about you and me. Um, That long ago... In a PowerPoint when Raman and I were first discussing in like our second year, what should our values be? I wrote lead with love and he commented on that in the PowerPoint, not ready for this love word and essentially said, yes, this is the um, energy, but no, we're not going to say this. The business community isn't ready for that. And everyone, Raman wasn't ready for that. <laughs> yep, you're right. And so what I would say sometimes working with men is patience because your energy was absolutely there and on point regardless if you were ready for that word love to be in business and maybe you were just reflecting the business community in general 
which is which is fine. But patience won out, and all on your own a few years later, lead with love was one of our taglines. So I think it's important also to not lose the fact that it's okay that you comment on it like that because I know who you are and that you live with lead with love, even if you're not ready to say it. So um, yeah, just that that underscores patience. What you said was dead on. So I want to make sure that I don't uh, dispel anything there, but in, but support it. Uh, I will add something to that. That for the yeah for the other side, if you will, the other people, patience is helpful because back to kind of what I said earlier about women growing up seeing mostly men is most of us as men have grown up also seeing just men and seeing the veneer of masculinity. Mm -hmm. And even though many of us, if not all of us have a much more tender side to us that mm -hmm. typically is on display in our home lives, um, more than our work lives, um, it takes a long time mm -hmm. for any one of us to begin moving closer to that yeah. at work. And to your point, I, I'd like to think that yes, Junto does create that space for them. And when they start seeing how people are reacting to them, they start becoming more and more open to yes. it. Right. And in my case, I'm just just as you've noted how lucky you are, I've been lucky that I've that at that point in time I'd been in maybe a hundred or two hundred sessions, right? Mm. Now we're well over a thousand. So it was more accelerated for me for it to have happened within a couple of years. Right. Um, but I think it's an important thing to note for those who might um, spend a lot of their time with men who aren't as open and aren't as vulnerable. Sure. And I want to just also say that absolutely it's important to call things out and sometimes have conversations that hit the nail on the head. And you and I can have those with each other back and forth. But in that specific example, I feel like and in examples like it, I want people, so in this case, you for this example, um, to feel it authentically for yourself. Like there's no part of me that would have wanted to get in your face about that because doing that before you're ready to say it authentically wasn't the right thing. So that's why patience was the right thing there. Other times it's okay certain conversations to to call things out, demand things to be a little faster. But in terms of authentically being ready to say love in the business community, yeah, that's that's something one needs to feel on their own. I want to get your response to this recent experience that I had. We have agreed to go into partnership with another organization here in Chicago. And it's a group that we had talked with previously, several years ago, where when the leadership was men. Mm -hmm. Today the leadership is women. Mm -hmm. And uh, I went into that meeting and we'd already had like a preliminary conversation and exchanged some emails. And um, I went into that meeting with my guard up a little bit because I'd already had that experience several years ago mm -hmm. when it didn't work out. And I went in into that um, not acknowledging that there was a change in um, leadership gender, mm -hmm. even as somebody who's very comfortable interacting with women, it hadn't even crossed my mind. And the conversation went extraordinarily well. It was not a yes, but conversation. It was a yes, and conversation, the entire thing. And it was supportive and it was complimentary and it was warm and it was 
open-minded and it was truly how do we work together how do we work with one another mm -hmm. and i never got the sense of there being a an against factor mm. working against each other or working versus one another right you've experienced a lot of that just in the work that we did right this whole idea of working with one another versus against one another and so i just would love to get your reaction to that your response to that how, what are some principles or experiences maybe that you can share of working with people versus against people and it kind of builds on this conversation you guys had this morning with junta women yes we were talking about this in junta women this morning and i would call it almost like a collective way of leading or creating and i just got done having a lunch with the others who are the co-facilitators in junta women vera kimmy paulina caprio and jen davis and my appreciation to them at the end of our lunch was the fact that we have absolutely co-created Junta Women together as it is this year. And that none of us is the lead and only lead in the sense it is absolutely a collaborative effort. And it is something where we are each getting a chance to bring our authentic selves and also the part of us that is really activated by what we're doing in Junta Women and we each kind of have a space for that that corner that is totally ours, you know? And so that's fascinating because we're able to lean, lean into each other's natural inclinations of why we're here and our strengths and lead and start this community together through that. That's been fascinating because I find that usually the model of creating or leading anything, there has to be one person at the top. Um and that's a very masculine model. And I'm not saying masculine in terms of men, I'm mm -hmm. in terms of the fact that we all have masculine and feminine qualities within us authentically. Um, but there is indeed another way. And it's one less used, especially in business. Um, but it is an option. And it is harder to do because we have less examples, less comparatives out there for this. But it is important to test. It is important to try. It is important to be okay getting it wrong and sometimes stepping on each other's toes a little and having to have conversations about that. But especially with this, I mean, for crying out loud, as much as, you know, Junta Women in a way began with me the year prior, I couldn't have continued solo. This year I had a baby and I really wanted to be present with that moment in my life. And the fact that Jen, Vera, Paulina have all stepped up, but then also felt totally on fire contributing their selves, like selves with a capital S to this has been fantastic. I needed that help, but then it also lit them up. And together, we've really been able to do something bigger and better. So that's an example to me of creating with. And it's not necessarily in contrast to against but it is in contrast to feeling like you either have to go it alone or be the one in charge telling others and boxing in others rather than kind of giving each other the space to lean in in the ways that we each can lead. So earlier um, you were talking about how as a result of Punto Sessions, learning and practicing emotional intelligence, being vulnerable, so many men have been able to show who they really can be and who they it might be in the home, um, and they do it in a, in a more of a work slash professional setting. Uh, I think there's a lot to be said for that. And in other words, to some degree, they're they're a better version of themselves, mm -hmm. right? When they're deploying those two um, 
things, emotional intelligence, vulnerability. And here's a little proof. A few years ago, uh, we had a full-time team of four, and I was the only male. We had three um, women, and dare I say they were all young women. They were all, all millennials, Catherine being, I think, the oldest one of the three. Mm-hmm. And this was pre-Me Too. And I can't remember how the conversation came up, but I asked very openly and bluntly to the three of you, have you ever been harassed at work? And the reason that I asked that question is because we've had, by that point, we had had hundreds of sessions, maybe four or 500, if not more, countless conversations, organized sessions, informal events, et cetera, populated almost all the time by 90 to 98% men. Right. And I was bracing myself for the response from each of the three of you. And we had a culture at the time that everybody was very open in, in being straightforward, right? Um, I want you to share what the response was from all three of you. That none of us had ever felt harassed by anyone. Yeah. Yes. And that was that was like earth shattering to me. Well, and in addition to that, I will add that anyone who's been in a junta session knows this, that we all hug each other so much. So Right. There's physical there, contact. Yes. Yeah. They even with that in the room, there's still been no moments of feeling like any line had been crossed energetically, physically, anything like that. Right. And where I'm going with this is that I have this fundamental belief now that if we create spaces for men, and I'm calling us out in particular, if we create spaces for men to be vulnerable, to work on their emotional intelligence, to work on their empathy, that it actually helps other parts of our lives. Because I'll go on record in saying I believe that there are plenty of men who've been a part of Hundo who have harassed women in other contexts in the past. Mm. But to think that it didn't happen in our context, in our space, mm-hmm. again, is mind-blowing, but I think it's because those spaces were created. Yes. I think it's because those spaces were created. We need more spaces like Hunto in the world where all people can be vulnerable and show up as their full selves and feel like that is absolutely valued and necessary to be in that room rather than just an option. If it's okay that I add, um, in a Junta woman conversation from our beta year, two of the co-founders did mention the name of one person who not in a session, but in one-on-one conversations after or outside of Junto sessions had said or done things that they felt had crossed the line. And after hearing the stories, I absolutely agreed. I'd mentioned that name to you, and no longer is this person invited to be an active mentor. Yep. And so I want to mention that, indeed, it is not us trying to gloss over anything, and there is absolutely swift action in any case that we hear of anything. Right. That this, this, we are not expecting an immaculate community necessarily. We know that this is a special community and that we're all bringing in our best selves. But but in the case there is any moment of breach where that discomfort comes in, and especially feeling harassment at all, that there's swift action. It's really important to underscore that that absolutely will be there. Okay. One more question, and then we're going to finish off appreciation. More personal one. Yeah. So Catherine's already mentioned that uh, she had a, a baby this year. Hmm. and happens to be a boy. What are you going to share with him? Oh my god, I'm... about dealing with girls, right? Cuz that's going to come first before women. But when he's when he's 
I don't know, three, five, seven years old, whenever it makes sense. What are you going to share with him, given where we are now, right? I find it to be perfect that I had a son mm-hmm. because I am so all about women right now. And this, especially, and other things that have come up in my life underscore having a son and then other things in my life have underscored the fact that it really is about the unity and the balancing of of these forces in all of our lives. Like I said before, it's about the masculine and feminine that show up authentically within each of us. It is not about gender necessarily. And it is about having the feeling so comfortable in the spaces that we live our lives and lead our businesses to be who we truly are in whatever expression of that spectrum it is. And I think that the world in business in general is opening up to that more feminine way and recognizing and acknowledging that it needs it. And I absolutely see that that is happening in Junto. Emotional intelligence, the vulnerability is bringing more of that feminine element into business. I think that's fantastic. In terms of what I would say to my son, I am going to stop there. And actually, I'm not sure what I would say, but what I know is that he's going to learn about how to, how to be in relationship with girls, as friends, or someday romantically by watching how Brad and I live. Brad is my husband. And no, no matter what I say, it's my actions that he is going to emulate and where he is going to learn value from. And so I believe that living this in our marriage is first. And I think that the way that Brad and I feel like absolute partners with each other is huge. I think the way that Brad wants to see me thrive, wants to see me chase my creative passions, wants to see me light up, doesn't want to see me feel like I have to carry everything for the family on my own, absolutely is leaning into being a father. Um, In no way seeing me as anything but equal, like equal doesn't even need to be discussed because it just is. I mean, like that kind of partnership is where it begins. So I don't even know if it needs to be something that I plan to say to him as much as it's the isness that will be his life. All right. Um, So we're wrapping up here and we're going to finish off with closing appreciations. You want to go first or you want me to go first? I want to think for a second. Okay. I've got a lot of appreciations, but I think probably the most significant one is just being with you. That we don't get a chance to be with each other as frequently as we used to because we live half a country apart. Um, it was fun being with you and Brad and Everin a few months ago. Um, so just yeah, being uh, in the same room with you is something that I uh, really appreciate. I also appreciate what you have helped create with Junto Women. And knowing that it was something that about two years ago, we got the kernel of an idea from one of our own alumni Mm -hmm. and then another one, and now it's turned into a thing. Absolutely. Thank you, Raman. Well, I appreciate a lot of things. So I'm coming back to Junto and, and Chicago for the first time right now as a mother, coming back into these environments. And I'm appreciating having one of those moments in life where you walk into the spaces that you've walked before, but you recognize the person between the years is an entirely different person now. And it's so it's fun watching who I am now as a mom to collide with these conversations in this space and and everything here. It's it's fascinating. You can see where you grow when those things happen. So I'm appreciating that. I'm appreciating 
the fact that Junta Women has been created, the fact that we have are now finishing our first year of it successfully, I appreciate that we have collectively created that. And that you, Raman, even though you're not a woman, you are a part of creating that and you've been an ally in creating that. And I appreciate that. I appreciate our partnership and how we've always been able to have frank conversations and even shine a light on these areas where some men and women may not want to discuss with each other mm-hmm. things like harassment in the communities they, that they co-lead and and get into some of these topics. But I really appreciate that you fearlessly go there and especially that you are such an intentional father to two lovely young ladies and that you are constantly leaning into how to be more and more for them. And that's really admirable. And I really appreciate who you are as a father too, especially now becoming a parent. Um, So very appreciative. Thanksgiving was last week. So easy to be. Thank you. Yes. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss the next episode. This episode was produced by Dante32.